Hi friend, my name is Amy Joy and this is the Make Prayer Beautiful podcast. I wanted to share a little bit about my experience with the Lord in the soaking room. So David and Peggy Fitzpatrick have been, as Bob would put them, giants of the faith. And we had asked them to facilitate a a session around hearing from God, being in his presence. And David had some points that for me were completely revolutionary ideas. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a little embarrassing to share this. But in my reading of the scripture, the transfiguration is something I've known about since I was a child. And in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's kind of the same progression in each of them. Jesus says something to all of his disciples like, I tell you the truth that some of you will not see death before you see the kingdom of God come in power. And then there may be a chapter break in some of the gospels, but then the next sentence is eight days later, he took three of them up on the mountain and there he was transfigured before them. And so I have always read this as something like, this is my interpretation, like the kingdom of God is going to come in power And then Jesus was transfigured so they could see him in his true form where he was shining. And that was enough for them to be astonished. Oh, and Elijah and Moses showed up in order to show that he has an amazing entourage and that even if people have died, they are still alive in some realm and he can talk to them and, you know, chat with them. And isn't that lovely? So I had always viewed the story of the transfiguration as sort of like an unveiling moment, like, ta-da! Maybe not quite a debutante ball, but something of that nature. (laughs) And that's not necessarily a bad reading. I don't know that that's even necessarily wrong. Um, It was interesting. I was talking about this with Paul Van Hosen later, and he said, oh, I've always figured that the transfiguration was something that actually happened to Jesus pretty much every time he prayed. But just that time, (laughs) there happened to be people around to see it. And so anyway, that's complete speculation, but it's interesting. It's kind of a fun thing to consider. So when David Fitzpatrick said, I could think about Moses and Elijah going to be with Jesus for days, it caught my attention because I thought, for days. What? I recognize that we have a prophet and we have the lawgiver. So we have a representative of the law and the prophets. I mean, that's aesthetically very nice. And I also recognize that we have Moses who died and we have Elijah who didn't. So we have kind of the sum total of all of humanity on one side. And then on the other, we have like Elijah and Enoch, the two who were taken to heaven in bodily form or whatever that looks like. And so we have the kind of, anyway, we have both forms of passing out of this life represented. And that's kind of cool. But after that, I never really thought about it again. I was like, nice, here's the two people. How great. And I think if I had considered why they were talking to Jesus, it seemed more like a, I don't know, like they were telling jokes or swapping stories or otherwise just being friendly I had never really considered, like, why would these two men have been necessary in order to experience and be with Jesus during the transfiguration? Oh, man, this wrecked me. 
So one of the things that David Fitzpatrick said was that we see uh, Jesus always giving these very smart answers. He's kind of always in the right place at the right time. His life seems more or less, I'm not going to say perfect. And it's like he always perfectly responds to everything, even for the things that are kind of challenging. And I had always just kind of figured, well, yeah, he's the God man. Of course that happens. Uh, how nice for him. You know, if only I didn't have to muddle my way through. And what surprised me then was to have this moment where, uh, like, why was Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? That he had gone there, it says in the book of Luke, to pray. And we know that Peter, James, and John had fallen asleep. <laughs> That's pretty clear from one of the one of the passages. And so Jesus is there praying. And what David Fitzpatrick said was the reason why Jesus was able to respond to all of these different situations with such perfection and such grace is because he had put in the time to be with the Father. Paul Van Hosen described it sort of like he always knew where the spotlight was, like which is the person that I need to talk to because he had been so full of communicating with the Father. But it, that it didn't mean that it was necessarily easy. And so I think what David Fitzpatrick's point was is that Moses and Elijah had come to be with Jesus in the sense of like, Jesus was not, he was struggling. He was bewildered. It was a, he was in a, a hard place. And when you look back at the events of the last, like the previous chapter or two, it's something like this, like Jesus fed the 5,000. Peter spoke over him that he was the son of the living God. He started to talk to the disciples about how he was going to go and be killed. And so just even reading through those few of the many things that he was doing, there is a sense of like, any one of those would be enough to put me under the table. <laughs> those are all big things. And as I've entered in a little bit to being more of a feeler and understanding what it's like to actually be a little more sensitive in the spirit, I am frequently kind of overwhelmed with how much I'm experiencing. And the idea that Jesus himself would have experienced some of that the word bewilderment keeps coming to me, but just that sense of overwhelm and where it's like, I actually have to get away. I'm tired. I need to go and be with the father. My, my love tank is running dry. Uh, that was astonishing to consider. And then the idea that Moses and Elijah came, not necessarily because Jesus just needed to kind of demonstrate his superstardom, that they were there to come and say, Oh, yes, says Moses. I understand what it is to try to lead a rebellious people and try to keep all of the different factions together and help soothe and ease the way for the the team that is running in all directions. Or, oh, yes, says um, 
Elijah, I know what it is to have your message proclaimed and have people disregard it or disrespect it. I know what it is to have people furious at the message from the Lord that you carry. And so they were ministering to him, perhaps offering counsel. And so I was thinking about this, like weeping and weeping, because I have never once thought of Jesus being bewildered or being anything less than kind of like fully equipped to do whatever the next thing might be. I mean, yes, we recognize that he gets tired, but, you know, it's kind of like, well, that's because he's human. But the idea of like, he needed things that others could provide. (laughs) It was really striking me very deeply. And yeah, then I was asking the Lord, though, I was like, what does it mean that the kingdom of God would come in power? Because this is, I mean, to me, that sort of indicates that, like, here he is transfigured into his amazing identity. Like, it needs a big, it's like a big deal. And so I was like, but Lord, there's, there must be a different meaning if I'm understanding this passage correctly. And it doesn't mean that the first meaning is wrong. I think one of my favorite aspects of poetry and one of my favorite aspects of uh, Hebrew thought is the ability to hold two different ideas in the same sentence. And not necessarily like opposites, uh, but more like, yes, it's this and this. Like, Jesus is both the sacrifice and he's the victor, right? Like, there's, it's not like he could only be one or the other. And so the idea of him showing the kingdom of God in power because of the glory of his shiningness is beautiful. But... Then on the other hand, I thought, oh, I actually wonder if part of the kingdom of God coming in power is that Moses and Elijah showed up for him. Kind of like, you will have whatever it is that you need in that moment, even if the people have to come from some realm beyond the dead. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah, so Jesus... I thank you that even in a story as familiar as the transfiguration, that there is more. (laughs) Oh, Lord Jesus, how beautiful you are. Oh, thank you, Lord. We bless you. Amen.